On the previous episode, I talked about uh, what I would call a professional wrestling starter pack. It had a lot of really good information. I feel like a lot of people don't take advantage of. I know there's people out there without t-shirts, without affordable 8x10s, without decent designs, and I wanted to go over as much of that as I could just because I never had money and I didn't have the opportunity to invest in myself like that and I didn't know about it all. No one ever told me and it's my fault because I could have just Googled. It's so easy to Google something, but I talked about Fiverr and I talked about the e the... 8x10Q prints, I believe is what it was. They're 70 cent prints. It's under a dollar once you get them all shipped to you. So if you missed out on that episode, make sure you go back and listen to it because I feel like it was really valuable if you're still missing something. I wanted to take a minute and consider intergender wrestling and where its place is in professional wrestling. There are a lot of opinions where people don't necessarily believe that a woman or a girl would be able to take on a man or anything along those lines. But I think that it sounds silly. I don't think it's disbelief. I think it's more along the lines of people are uncomfortable watching something like that. And what it comes down to is can you create a story that's believable? I believe that Julia and I did that on February 7th for MAW and Savage. We we went outside of the standard formula of Shine Heat Comeback, and that was my choice. I didn't want to do something where I would be putting a lot of aggression into my moves on her, where I was intentionally trying to hurt or injure her. I didn't feel like that was the time for that, because A, she looks like she's 15 years old. She's 18, so it's not like a big deal or anything like that, but I didn't want people to be considering like how... Can this guy go and beat up a girl who's half of his weight? And how does that take someone out of the moment? I didn't want them to be considering all of the um, the trauma around domestic violence because I grew up in a home with a lot of domestic violence. So I was actually really nervous about this match. I, um, I asked my girlfriend to stay home with our daughter for this match because I didn't want it to be something to where in the heat of the moment something happened where it would make me uncomfortable to have this match happen in front of my daughter. So I I wanted this match as much as I could, but at the same time it scared me just because I wanted to be able to present a story that would make her proud to be a professional wrestler if she ever wanted to be one. So by going outside of the formula, I mean... Instead of doing the Shine Heat comeback, like I said, we went more along the lines of, not necessarily cartoony, but like, how would my character react to this situation of wrestling a woman? I wanted it to be more character-driven, just because anyone can go out and have a match, and when you have seven or eight matches, even six matches on a card where it's the same standard formula, it gets repetitive, and the crowd kind of gets what's up at this point. It's like going to see a bunch of romantic comedies and understanding, hey, the good guy wins in the end. But what if you mix in a drama or a different style of storytelling throughout it? So what we did was, I would actually like to go over this in like a YouTube format and discuss my train of thought throughout each set of movements or stuff like that. But just for kayfabe's sake, uh, we're going to kind of stick to that a little bit here. So the first thing we had to discuss, killed kayfabe, doesn't matter, was whether or not I wanted to punch her and... I thought it would get me a lot of heat to punch a girl, and rightfully so. It makes sense that if it was a punch, that would be the finish, but 
it seemed like it was too far for the audience that we were uh, entertaining. That's pretty much the first rule in professional wrestling after safety is to know your audience. And if we were to throw in a, a tiny girl getting punched in the face, it it would not go over as well. Or maybe the venue wouldn't want us back. Because you never know who's who's got a personal story with domestic violence. So you have to be very cautious over every little thing you do when it comes to intergender wrestling. So what I did want to do was do a roll-up as a finish just to put myself in a position to be more upset over not taking her seriously, essentially, or taking my time too much. So that's why we went with the, the I go for my neck breaker, and then she rolls me up. But prior to that, actually, I like this moment where she argues with the referee, and I'm behind her, and everyone except her knows it, and you can hear the crowd going, Julia, turn around, Julia, turn around. So when I go, I grab her by the hair because a heel would do that, and I wanted this moment, but at the same time, I didn't necessarily expect it, even though I should have known that. It got really quiet and almost silent, like not nearly as bad as the Undertaker moment, but a moment of like, no, this is actually going to happen. And then we swerved and we went the other way and we went, yay, yay. We had a good happy ending as opposed to having the, what just happened? Why would he do such a thing? So I feel like in regards to that, we told that story perfectly throughout the entire match though. I kept getting more and more arrogant and I would get frustrated and I would get more aggressive towards the referee as opposed to Julia, which would still allow me to get the heat. And then it would allow Julia to a recover and B continue on to the next thing because she's relatively new. And to be honest, I, I think we killed it and there's like almost 4,000 views on YouTube right now of it. And I don't care about views or anything like that, but it's kind of a validating experience when you can put this match out there and have that many people go and not leave a hate comment of, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. This is not professional wrestling. Cause I've watched intergender matches and I thought, uh, that's not the way I would have done that or stuff like that. And we can pick and poke at other people's matches, but not ourselves. And there's a few things that I was cautious of just because of the fact that she was new is that I would have to pretty much call everything for her. And that was fine. She pretty much knew what we needed to get done. And there was a moment where I had to actually change where we were going just because we were short on time. But as long as I was able to call everything to her and I was able to get her to where we needed to get to, we could work around her being as new. But usually when people are new, they will, forget to sell and engage the crowd. She didn't sell anything because I didn't necessarily do anything to her. And that was actually my responsibility. I didn't realize I was doing it. It was just a happy accident that everything I did to her wasn't as devastating that she had to sell except for the one big body slam that I gave her. She wouldn't move as much. So it kind of maybe was a little bit slower. It felt like, but as long as I was able to engage the crowd and be the focus, it didn't look like she died. So I, it was my responsibility as the veteran in the match. I would never claim to be a veteran, but in the match, that's the way it goes. So that's the way it was, is that I was a veteran of the match and I was in charge. And even if I wasn't a veteran in the match, I would still take responsibility for myself and my actions because that's who I believe I am as a person. Is I believe that I'm accountable for everything I do in and outside of the ring. So... There is a moment, though, where she is just laying on her belly and I go to kick her. 
but not kick her. I just like poke at her, like just to roll her over, just to make her move. And that was the one moment where I was watching back and I realized, oh, I should have been aware that maybe she would either die or oversell or not sell anything at all. So I'm going to take that little tidbit into the future with me. So if you're thinking about doing an intergender match, just be aware of A, who you're wrestling in front of, and B, who your opponent is and what they can bring. So if you can find matches of theirs, I would definitely recommend it. But Julia had only had three or four matches, and one or two of them was, was a battle royal. And I had already seen a little bit of what she had done, and I knew that she was pretty quick to catch on, it seemed like. So I was really excited to work with her especially considering that it was on me and it was up to me to make it a good match. And I kind of could pat myself on the back with that one. There are different ways to go about an intergender match. And depending on the audience, I would actually really like to do a little bit more serious of an intergender match. But I don't think that's what would work best in either Minnesota or Wisconsin. I think that it might go the other way and get me the wrong kind of heat. And it would either lead to A, being unbooked potentially, or to the entire venue not wanting us back. And as long as the fans are happy, that's all that matters. But if the venue doesn't want us back, then it really doesn't matter if the fans want us back to an extent because the person might not be comfortable with it. So... I'm really looking forward to having another match with her, but I'm also really looking forward to having another match in a different setting because my match with Brooke Valentine was entirely different and we had to work around an entirely different set of circumstances, but that'll be for a different episode. This is pretty much going to conclude it, but I want to add on um, that I did an interview with someone. You guys will know him from introducing and announcing for MAW... MIW, Steel Domain, Primetime Wrestling, and pretty much every major organization in Minnesota, Laszlo. I was really anticipating a two to five minute interview, and he gave me about 20 minutes of his time before an MIW event, and I was really excited to get to talk to him for so long because, like, I'm as curious as you guys are at this point. I just was so hungry to hear what he had to offer because he speaks so often so consistently and he does it pretty much flawlessly at this point I feel like he's had 10 years of experience publicly speaking for professional wrestling but I feel like a lot of people struggle with their ability to speak and I feel like that drags into their character and it gives them a more a bland character because they're afraid of whatever reason and to be honest that's why I'm doing the podcast is just so I can get my experience and talking with people and talking to myself and getting used to my own voice and timing and breathing and yeah, the dreaded, um, or I tell you what, (laughs) but I'm going to give you guys a little bit of that on this episode. I think, uh, I'm really hoping that you guys look forward to that as much as I do. Um, so without further ado, here is the segment with Laszlo. Well, not the segment, but like, you know, just a, just a brief clip. I have a dozen topics on my mind that I think about all the time, and I'm going to get to all of them, but if there's anything in particular that you guys want to hear, I would love to be able to discuss it. I know that I've been asked about having a family on the road, even if I work once or twice a week. It's still once or twice, and you still have to be able to manage having your own personal job, 
watching matches, going to camp if you still go to camp, trying to maintain your bookings and being consistent in the gym and at home and then making sure that you have enough time at home. And I would, I'm actually really looking forward to talking about how to manage a family because right now my family life is crazy. I've been working until about two, three o'clock, something like that. And then I'd go to the gym and then I come home and then Kimber has to leave pretty much right away to go to work and she won't get back until 11 o'clock midnight. So it's like we never see each other. And then on the weekends I'm doing wrestling. So it's just, it adds up, you know, but you have to make sure that you have a person that's willing to go that extra mile for you. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to talk about. That was from Joe Walters. If there's anything you guys are looking for, just let me know. I'm always open to whatever you guys want to hear.